The message you're about to hear has been made possible by the continued financial support of the friends and partners of Faith Hill. To find out more about how to become a partner, be sure to visit faithhill.tv. Praise the Lord. Well, why don't you hold your Bible, lift it up real high, and shout, this is my Bible. I believe what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I am a believer and not a doubter. A doer, not just a hearer. Today, I'll learn from God's Word, and my life will never be the same because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Amen. Praise the Lord. And so we've been on a journey talking about uh, if God is good, then what's up with this? Amen. And so uh, this is uh, a series that we started three weeks ago, and uh, we've been at it now for the past three weeks. And so if you've missed any of the you know, uh, installments in this particular teaching, please be sure to visit our website. You can also check out our podcast and uh, uh, that will help you, you know, catch up with where we're at today. Amen. Uh, before we, we, we go in, uh, also want to uh, highlight that the, for those of you watching in the U.S., we know there is a few of you that watch overseas, uh, particularly in the U.S., uh, we're going to be launching an online uh, life group uh, in the U.S. We already have one uh, for the U.K. with Sipo and Amanda. And so if you want to be a part of any of those, uh, please be sure to send an email to admin at faithchurch.co.za. Listen, we value our online community. I was saying to my eldership team that uh, about 40% of all our giving comes from people who haven't even set foot in this building. Amen? And so it's just powerful what the Lord is doing, helping us reach people uh, all over the world. Amen? And so uh, if God is good, then what's up with this? So we talked last week about uh, choice, the power of choice, how God has given us freedom to choose. He has given us a free will, and uh, you and I don't live from fate, right? We live from free will, and uh, whatever we choose, uh, God will allow us to, to receive of it, uh, not just, you know, the, the, the choices that we make, but the consequences that come with it, both good and bad, amen? And so, um, another thing we want to look at today is uh, all things working together. You know, people uh, kind of use this uh, phrase. It comes from Romans chapter number 8, verse 28. All things work together for good. As, as uh, uh, They use it as a, a statement that almost, you know, uh, supports this doctrine of uh, God being omnicontrol, that he controls everything, and ultimately all things are just going to work uh, together for your good. And so let's go and check it out and see really what it's talking about. And so let's go to Romans chapter number 8, verse 28. Romans chapter number 8, verse number 28. And this is what he says. He says, and we know all things work together for good to those who love God and to those who are the called according to his purpose. And so according to a religious worldview, uh, this means that uh, all situations in life, this is what they believe. Uh, and, and when I say religious worldview, I'm not using that you know, kindly, right? Uh, they say that it, it, all situations in life, everything that happens, uh, everything that comes our way uh, works together for our good. 
And so uh, things like deception, you know, distraction, disease, uh, abuse, alcoholism, addiction, and things of that nature, uh, uh, which do not necessarily come from God because these, these things come from the devil and these things are not coming to work for your good. We read last week in John chapter number 10, verse 10, that we have a thief that comes to do what? To steal, to kill, and to destroy. And so when uh, he sends stuff your way, he's not sending them to work for your good. He's sending them to take you out. Amen? And so if we are to reread this scripture in context, and uh, the reason we should do that is because if you read in uh, Romans 8.28, I'm reading in the New King James Bible, the first word you see right at the beginning of that verse is the word and. And, and that word, A-N-D, and, is a, is, a, is a conjunction in the English language, you know, grammar. The word and is a conjunction. Uh, you know, just like the word she means a, a, a woman, a girl, a, a, a lady. The word he means a man, a boy, uh, uh, a gentleman. And uh, the word they means plural. Amen? I saw on the internet someone say, call me they, them. No, you are one. <laughs> Messing up the English language. He is a man. Let's say it together. He is a man or a boy. She is a girl or a woman. They is plural. Basic English language. Amen? And so if you read in Romans 8.28, we see another word here, the word and... That word is a conjunction, right? That connects two thoughts. And so you should never start anything with the word end. And so if you went to Nando's today after church and you say, I want end chips, they're going to think you're crazy. You have to put the what end chips, right? And so for us to read just verse 28 and take out the chicken or the, the burger or whatever you fancy, right? Is, is not right. And so we're going to read this in context and read it from verse 26. It says this. This is the context. It says, likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he, the Spirit, capital letter H, who searches the hearts, knows what the mind of the Spirit is. Because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And so we see here that the subject of the two verses prior to verse 28 is the Holy Spirit uh, uh, making intercession. What that word simply means is to take hold. It means to cooperate. It means to enable us. And so the Holy Spirit cooperating, uh, working with us, co-working with us, acting together with us, uh, uh, maps up a way, right, GPS coordinates that we should walk in through his word and through, you know, the, the whisperings of the Holy Spirit on the inside of us. And as we do that, he begins to take us to a place where all things begin to work together for your good. Amen. 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 And so without the Holy Spirit working with you, and he tries to work with us. He really does. You know, and if, if you went through a divorce, I'm not knocking you, but here's what they said. They said 95% of the people knew while they were standing on the altar, the, the bride walking in, they knew this, man, this is not going to work out. Holy Spirit is telling them, I'm still going to take my chance. my chance. Can I get an amen? amen? 
And so the Holy Spirit will whisper things to us, and, and, and we must allow him to map the way as we cooperate with him. As we do that, it says that all things will begin to work together for our good. What are the other qualifiers? He says, and we know all things work together for our good to those who love the Lord, right? And to those who are the called according to his purpose. So there are three qualifiers here. The first one is for you to read verse 28. Number one, you have to allow the Holy Spirit to be your leader. As, as, as you cooperate, take a hold together, uh, he will work all things out for your good. The second thing is you have to love God. Truly make him first in your life. He says all things work together to those who are, love the Lord and those who are the called according to his purpose. In other words, for things to work together for your good, you have to be right at the center of what God is doing in the earth. What is that? It is the redemption of humanity and uh, the expansion of his kingdom. Amen? And so that, that just simplifies Romans chapter number 8 verse 28. You can't just quote it when you, know, you make all uh, uh, your own crazy decisions. Turn around and say all things. They may work together for your good and man it's like dodging a bullet. He doesn't want you to live that way. He wants you to listen to the Holy Spirit and he will map a way for you. Someone once said, a wise man once said uh, the safest place to be right here on the earth is to be right at the center of God's will. Amen. Amen? That's the safest place you want to be. Amen. And so the second question uh, in dealing with this uh, topic, you know, uh, if God is good, then what's up with this? The second question we always uh, get asked is, so must Christians suffer? Must Christians suffer? You can write that down and we're going to attempt to answer that. Must Christians suffer? And so I wrote that in my notes and then I put in parentheses and in brackets, I put go to why do bad things happen to good people, chapter number seven. That's what I put in my notes. And this is a book that I wrote, you know, uh, uh, 13 years ago. I wrote it 13 years ago. See, a lot of people think I'm a mafikizolo, right? <laughs> See, now I've, been, I've been at it for a minute. Do you understand? <laughs> I wrote this one 2010. I wrote the dedication. The first dedication I wrote before we sent it back to the publisher, I said this one is dedicated to my girlfriend. She was still my girlfriend. You understand? And now it's my wife. And so, but, but man, this was a long time ago. And, and, and what did I write in this book? Must Christians suffer? The, the answer to this question is both yes and no. Why? Because if you go to 2 Timothy chapter number 3, verse 12, it says this. It says, yes, and all that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer. Persecution. Did you all see that? Uh, the Apostle Paul uh, makes it clear that if you live uh, righteously or godly in Christ Jesus, uh, you're going to suffer some things. And the things you're going to suffer, he calls them persecution. Right? I said, right? You know, Jesus said this in Matthew chapter number 10, verse 22. He says, and you shall be hated of all men for my name's sake. For he that endures to the end shall be saved. Now, Jesus qualifies the kind of persecution we will receive or the kind of suffering that we will receive for being uh, a children of God. If you read in John chapter number 15, he also expounds a little bit from verse 28 onwards. He talks about the kind of suffering that we would receive as children of God. And this suffering has to do with people coming against you. 
and people hating you. Ha, ha, ha. Not for your stinking attitude. See, that, that's, that's, that's not suffering. Ha, ha, that's you fixing you. Oh, not a single amen. No, 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 no. He says people who hate you for what? For my name's sake. Can't walk around talking about man, they don't like me, Pastor. They don't, you're not man, fix up, you may be likable. <laughs> Hallelujah, praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. First Peter chapter number four, verse twelve, it says this. It says, Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery trials you are going through as if something strange was happening to you. The, the, the disciples, the early church, they went through it, and, uh, and, and, and you and I uh, will go through it. What is it that we're going to go through? Opposition, people coming against you for standing on God's word. Amen? Yes. I said amen. And so the, the persecution, again, I'm qualifying when he says you will suffer persecution. The persecution he's talking about is men coming against you, watch this now, for your faith. Not just coming against you because, you know, you did something. No, 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 no. It has to do with stand. And I believe we are the generation. You know, it's all fun and games and it's all gloss. When, when we, you know, we come to church and we're preaching and everybody want to be, I want to be a minister. Man, I believe we are the generation that's going to endure real persecution. Yeah. Where you're going to have to stand. Yeah. Put a gun on your head. Say, are you, are you going to stand on this? Jesus Christ is your personal Lord and Savior. Hey, if you, if you denounce him right now, we can save your life. And many, the Bible says, Jesus said, if you go and read in Matthew chapter number 24, he says, many's hearts will wax cold. In other words, many will beg down and say, man, I denounce him. It's not a fashion thing. You know, I know right now, Christianity is some fashion statement on TikTok and Instagram. This is real. There's spiritual warfare that's going to come against us, and you better be strong in your faith before it gets here. They're going to come against you, not for your clothes, not for your smile, no, for standing on Jesus and making him your personal Lord and Savior. They're going to ask you. Some of you are going to get fired. They're going to say, are you a Christian for real, for real? If you are, we're going to fire you. Some of you will say, oh, no, 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 I just, I just go to church. I just go. That's what we grew up doing, to keep your job. Man, you better build your faith. Can I get an amen? It's about to get real. Amen. I said amen. And so, what should we not suffer? Now, the lawyers here can correct me after service, but uh, the things we shouldn't suffer are the things that Jesus already paid for. The things that Jesus already suffered on our behalf, right? There's a thing, you know, Pastor H and the lawyers here can correct me after service, but I'm going to try my best. There's a thing in the, in the legal, you know, fraternity called double jeopardy, right? It's, it's like what? Serving uh, the same sentence twice this is for the same thing. Now, 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 if Jesus paid for it, you shouldn't be suffering from it. Because he already paid for it. Amen. Amen? And so what did he already pay for that we shouldn't be suffering, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, from the things that Jesus already taken care of? He already suffered them so that we could be redeemed from them. The first one is sickness. 
When he says all Christians shall suffer persecution, this does not include sickness. You know, it's strictly restricted to men coming against you for your faith. Full stop. Why? Because if you read in 1 Peter 2.24, he says, Who is on self, Jesus, uh, uh, bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we being dead to sins should live righteous unto righteousness, by whose stripes ye were healed. And so when Jesus went to the cross, part of what he redeemed us from was sickness and disease. And if you suffer from sickness and disease and accept it as a gift from God, that's double jeopardy. You're paying, trying to pay for something that's already been paid for. And there's no need for you uh, to be suffering uh, from sickness and disease. Amen? And so Christians must, will suffer. You know, I have, I have a bunch of friends. They just mix it all up. And I love my friends dearly. They mix it all up so bad. Man, I just have to sit in some of the meetings and bite my tongue because I love people and I'm not going to be nasty. And so I'm in this meeting and someone will get up and say, man, you know, I'm just suffering for the Lord and it's just persecution coming my way. I'm lactose intolerant. Man, I say that's not what he was talking about. You know, you can tell they're American. I can pick on the American. <laughs> they're not here, right? They won't catch me. <laughs> Jesus paid for you to be set free from that. Amen? When he says suffer persecution, he's talking about the real deal. He's talking about what will happen uh, in the streets. Amen? You know, I remember many years ago, uh, you know, I learned this, that, you know, the enemy is an opportunist, right? He's trying to uh, catch you at your weakest moment when you're not paying attention, when you're not strong in the Lord, and when you're not standing on your faith, meditating on the Word. Man, there's a part that you get to play just to, uh, you know, stay fit in, in your faith, right? And so 2011, uh, uh, you know, we, we got married, right, uh, Pastor C and I, and, and the build-up to the wedding day was so busy. I mean, I usually wake up early in the morning, and the first thing I do is go and read my scriptures and meditate on the word and just keep myself fit because I know it's a jungle out there. There's, a, there's a, an enemy who's trying to take me out. I know that, right? I ain't no fool, so I, I've got to be up on my game. You understand? And so I get in the word and I, I encourage myself in the Lord. I don't allow myself to be overwhelmed by circumstances. There's always stuff coming at you. I mean, I ain't even up. And Dillian is sending me messages. This has to be paid. This, that, and the other has to be paid from the church office. Ah, where is this money going to come from? And so for me not to, you know, fall apart, I have to be up on the game of understanding scripture and cultivating it in my heart. Otherwise, you put pressure on the people. The Lord said this to me as we were planting faith to church, you can either put pressure on my word or put pressure on the people. You choose. And I choose to put pressure on the word. Amen? And so during that, that build up, right, you know, <laughs> all kinds of things were happening, man. I'm telling you, when they say it's your marriage, their wedding, that's for real. <laughs> oh, Lord Jesus, it was crazy. Everybody had their ideas and uh, we didn't realize, you see, young people, I'm giving this one for, to you for free. We didn't realize that, you know, you don't have to fight every battle. But I was young, you know, I was young and feisty, so I'm fighting. Hey, we ain't going to do that. It's my wedding. Get out of here. <laughs> oh, man, they keep putting pressure, and I mean, it drove me crazy. The night before the wedding, my wife was crying. Ah, she was crying because something fell apart. Someone wanted to add something to the wedding. Someone else wants to. Oh, there's, a, there's an uncle. From Maslatini, he has to say a speech. Well, man, I don't want no uncle, bro. I don't know him. Says this one is the most important uncle. So I mean, man, the build up, 
It's just crazy. You don't even know who we are. Two weeks. Man, it's crazy, right? You're under pressure. You, you know, you're not reading the word. And because of that, the enemy snuck up on the both of us on the day we're leaving for, for honeymoon. He just put something on us, some kind of bag or something. We packed our bags. And as we got to the airport, man, we're throwing up. And I've got a fever. My wife is. And I knew, I knew. I said, devil, you got me. But I'm going to fight you. I'm going to fight you. I'm going to fight you back. And so we couldn't get on the, on the flight, right? We they didn't allow us to get on the plane. And, and so we went back home. I told the lady, I said, we're going to be back here tomorrow. She looked at me. She said, you are in such a bad shape. You're not coming back here tomorrow. I said, listen, I need to just go fight some, some things, and I'm going to be back here tomorrow. And so we went home, and, man, we got back home. I said, now, honey, pull out your Bible. We pulled out our Bibles. We started looking at those scriptures, rehearsing them over lands on each other, cast this thing out. And, and by about 10 p.m. in that same night, man, we were uh, completely healed, restored, ready to go. What happened? What happened? What happened was we understood that this was not a part of the suffering (laughs) that, you know, we were, no, no, no. This was something coming against us and we could fight back. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Can I get an amen? Amen. And so sickness is not from God. It's not a part of, you know, what he says, uh, you will suffer. In fact, if you read in Romans 8.11, which has become one of my personal favorite scriptures, it says of every believer concerning, you know, your body and your organs and your tissue, maybe someone watching who needs this. It says this. It says the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives on. Listen, you could walk into this building, get born again at the end of this service. This verse applies to you. As you get born again, he puts the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. And it comes and it abides on the inside of you. Now watch what it says in the NLT. Can I get it in the NLT, please? In the New Living Translation. Watch what it says. The spe- he says it as a statement of fact. He says the spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And then he makes this conclusion. And just as God raised Christ from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies. By this same spirit living on the inside of you. When this spirit, you allow it to flow in your body, man, it starts going and it fixes dead organs. Make them come alive. It goes and it fixes dead kidneys. Make them come alive. It goes and it touches your muscles and puts strength on the inside of them. Amen. The same spirit living in you will give life to your mortal bodies. Amen. And this is why every often, you know, I just put, I just put my hand, when I feel something, I just put my hand on my body. I say, life flow in Jesus. It's already on the inside of me. I'm not calling it from somewhere. No, no, it's in you. All you have to do is to learn how to release it. Can I get an amen? amen. And so the second thing that, uh, you know, it, it doesn't qualify when it says all Christians who suffer persecution is poverty. Jesus already paid for uh, uh, poverty at the cross, and uh, it says this in 2 Corinthians chapter number 8, verse 9. It says, For we know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, Jesus Christ was rich. Amen. He says, Yet for your sake he became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich. And so part of what Jesus did when he went to the cross was to pay uh, for, for, he became poor, right? You exchanged roles, divine exchange, he became poor so that you might become rich. Now, if, if, if you choose to become poor too, that's double jeopardy. He already did that. 
He played poor so that you might be rich, so that you can be a blessing to other people. Amen? And I always see it with the church. When church folk, you know, get spiritual and they don't cooperate with the laws of God, giving and so on and so forth, they get broke. They get, start struggling or they break some, you know, a spiritual law of some sort and, and, so, and, 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 and things go, you know, pear-shaped and, and so on and so forth. They're just trying to make excuses for where they're at. Don't make excuses. You know, change your life, change your lifestyle, change your thinking so you can elevate your circumstances to God's word. You don't have to try and change the word to bring it to where you are. And say, but you know, it wasn't really rich, rich. It's spiritual rich. No, no, no. When Jesus went to the cross, he became physically bankrupted. Do you understand that? He had a robe on him that was quite expensive because they say uh, when they took it off of him, they, they had to, you know, cast lots or gamble to figure out who was taking it home. It was that expensive. It was not some rags. No one gambles over rags. No one wants, you know, you can have it. They would have donated that. No, they all wanted it. And he was stripped of that. He died naked. Not only that, they say the extreme uh, uh, expression of poverty is when you don't have water to drink. They didn't even, he didn't even have water to drink. They gave him uh, vinegar for water. And so he experienced the extremity of poverty so that you can experience the extremity of prosperity so that you can be a blessing to others. Amen? And so as, if you ever go through, you know, Life challenges in this area, man, don't make excuses. Change the way you think. Elevate your circumstances to God's word. Refuse to accept poverty as a part of the suffering package. It's not. Can I get an amen? In fact, he has blessed us. He redeemed us from the curse of the law, and he has blessed us. And we know what the blessing does. Proverbs 10, uh, verse 22 says, The blessing of the Lord, what does it do? It makes rich and uh, adds no sorrow uh, uh, with it. You know, the, the last thing he redeemed us from, and that's not part of this suffering, is untimely death. You know, accidents, you know, people dying young and so on and so forth. You go and say, man, you know, it's a part of the, you know, suffering thing. No, it's not. No, it's not. Amen. I said amen. And in fact, the Apostle Paul is interesting. In Philippians 1, 21 to 24, he, he kind of knew this. And, uh, you know, a lot of the, 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 the early church, you know, fathers, you know, they really ran their race. I know most of them died young, and John did, just didn't want to die young, and he lived to see old age and so on and so forth. But if you read in, in Hebrews, it says uh, uh, some of them did not accept, you know, the, the, the way out or the salvation out of the, the persecution that was coming at them from man. For, for in their belief, they believed that there was a greater reward and a greater price. But there was a way out. There is always a way out. Why? Because God's promise is long life. We read last week that if you honor your father and your mother, God will give to you long life. Amen? And so the Apostle Paul is sitting in prison in Philippians 1, 21 to 24. He's sitting in prison and he's, 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 uh, he's facing the death penalty for preaching the gospel. I mean, it's a serious issue, right? 
And this is how the Apostle Paul, you know, processes this. Let's go to uh, uh, Philippians 1, 21 to 24. He says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. So he's trying to figure out, you know, I'm facing the death penalty. But what does it all mean? Yeah, if I live, it's Christ. If I die, it's gain. Because, you know, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Amen? But he then says this. Verse 22, it's, it's going to confuse you. He says, but if I live on in the flesh, this will mean fruit for my labor. Yet, what shall I choose? I cannot tell. Wait a minute, Paul. You have no choice. You're facing the death penalty. No, not according to the Apostle Paul. He, he, man, I have a choice in the matter. He's sitting in prison. Say what? Can I read it in the Amplified? Let's read verse 22 in the Amplified. Amplified Classic. Let's see what it says. In Amplified Classic. He says this. He says, if however uh, it is to be life in the flesh and I am to live on here, that means fruitful service for me. And so he's sitting in prison. He says, man, if I don't die and I live, that means I can reach people. I can preach the gospel. And uh, he says this, uh, fruitful service. Uh, so I can, I can say nothing as to my personal preference. I cannot choose. He said, man, uh, what am I going to choose? No, no, no. You're facing the death penalty, not according to Paul. He understood that there is still a choice in the matter. Amen? Verse 23. But I, I am hard-pressed between the two. My yearning desire is to depart. Notice he says nothing about the people trying to kill him. Because it's not in anyone else's hands. I cannot choose. It's hard for me to figure out. I have a yearning to depart. And to be free of this world, to set forth and be with Christ, for that is far better. Next verse. But to remain in my body is more needful and essential, not for me. And it says, if you read it in the original King James, it says, I'm, I'm straight betwixt, between two choices. That's, 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 that's deep. Between, I can't, I'm straight. Ooh. Man, he understood that there was still life. Amen. I said, Amen. And so there's nothing as, you know, uh, this is the, the final conclusion. This is why, you know, we, I love doctors, but we just happen to have a higher authority that we report to. Man, listen to doctors. I love them. If it wasn't a doctor, most Christians would be dead. But I'm telling you, we just have a higher authority that we report to. Can I get an amen? And so we, we, we're going to end with this. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter number 12 from verse 7 to 10. And so when it comes to uh, persecution, the early church suffered temptation. They were falsely accused of, of blasphemy. They were falsely accused of wrongdoing. They were slandered and reviled uh, for their good behavior. They were persecuted, rejected, shamed, mobbed, stoned, beaten, uh, flogged, arrested, treated like criminals. All of this came from people. Amen? And so when the Bible says you will suffer persecution, it's talking about people who come against you. It's not talking about life circumstances dominating you. Amen? You are above and not beneath life circumstances. Can I get an amen? And so here's another one that people use. Uh, you know, Paul's thorn in the flesh. He had no choice in the matter. The Lord just gave it to him. And uh, so people go through stuff. They go through sickness. They go through poverty. They go through uh, all kinds of things that Jesus already paid for 
and they just turn around and say, man, it's just, it's just my thorn in the flesh. Anybody ever heard someone like that? It's just a, that's a thorn in my report. Paul had a thorn. I have a thorn. Amen? Well, let's see what this thorn was, was all about. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter number 7, uh, chapter number 12 from verse 7. And this is the Apostle Paul writing, right? He says this, And lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, uh, a, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. And so, uh, you know, one of the things that uh, revelation does is it speeds up your life. Revelation is the divine accelerator. You know, whenever you get a revelation from the Lord, it has a tendency to amplify your voice and to uh, bring you before, before great men. You know, that when God wants to promote you, he's going to give you revelation. And so the Apostle Paul here is saying, uh, because of an abundance of revelation, I was getting ready to be exalted beyond measure. And then, uh, uh, but, but, but here's the deal, guys. He says, a, a, a thorn was given to me uh, to stop me from receiving that promotion and reaching that many people that God wanted me to reach with this abundance revelation he has given me. That's what he's saying. And he tells us what this thorn is. He doesn't say it's a thorn from the Lord. He says a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me or to slow me down. In fact, to buffet, the word buffet means to irritate. It's an irritant, right? It keeps buffeting you like the waves buffet the ship in the ocean. He, keeps, he says, man, this thorn was given to irritate me. It's just an irritant. And then he says this, next verse. Uh, verse 8. He says this in, 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 in verse number 8. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made, made uh, perfect in your weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I would rather boast in my infirmities yeah, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. And so the apostle Paul went and said, Lord, take this thorn away from me. Buffet to me, man. It's crazy. Lord, take it away from me. He prayed three times. The Lord said, I can't do it. I can't take it away from you. And so the question is, what was this thorn that the Lord could not take away? Let's go uh, and uh, read a few places where this thorn is, is, is revealed to us, what it is. You know, uh, yeah, let's go to Numbers 33, verse 55. Numbers 33, verse 55, it says this, But if you do not drive out the inhabitants of the land uh, from before you, you know, the Lord is giving this instruction to the children of Israel to drive out the land, in the, the people in the land of milk and honey, right? He says, Then it shall be those who you let remain shall be irritants. Remember, buffeting, right? Irritants. He says, shall be irritants in your eyes and thorns in your sides or in your flesh, and they shall harass you in the land where you dwell. And so we see from reading Numbers 33, verse 55, that the, 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 the first reference of thorn in the flesh referred to people, irritants. Amen? If you go to Joshua 23, verse 13, it says, Know for a certainty that the Lord your God will no more drive out any of these nations uh, uh, from before you, but they shall be snares and traps unto you, scourges in your sight, and thorns in your eyes until you perish from off this good land which the Lord God has given to you. This is not talking about, you know, a national sickness, but it's talking about a harassing enemy. It's talking about people too. 
if you read in Judges chapter number 2 uh, from verse 3, it says this, Therefore I also said I will not drive them out before you, but they shall be thorns in your sight, and their gods shall be a snare to you. And so we see that everywhere in Scripture when it brings up thorns in the flesh, it's talking about people. And this is why the Lord says, said I can't take them out. Because the Lord is not in the business of taking people out. Can I get an amen? You know, the worst people that you've ever had to deal with, you can pray all you want that the Lord takes them. He won't answer that prayer. Because when Jesus died, he died for them too. And he's extending, oh, as crazy as it may sound, he's also extending. Did you know that the Apostle Paul uh, at one point was actually stoning Christians and killing them? He was a thorn in their flesh. And thank God, God didn't take him out. Amen? Amen. Because when he finally received the grace of God and understood it, he became an apostle to the Gentiles. Amen? And so the thorn in the flesh he's talking about is not a sickness. No, no, that's not the thorn in the flesh. It's not poverty. No, that's not the thorn in the flesh. Amen? It's not all these circumstances. The thorn in the flesh is talking about is when people come in against you again for one reason and one reason only. They come in against you because of what you stand for. Your faith in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And when you pray, you can pray all you want, three, four, five times. God can't answer that prayer because he is not in the business of killing folk. He's extending grace to everybody. But here's what's going to happen. Right at the end, Jesus is going to come back. He's going to bring the curtain down. And I believe that that, that day is, is, is very soon. I was reading in my quiet time, Matthew 24, and he was talking all these things that will happen. He says there's going to be famines. They're already famines. He says there's going to be a nation rising against nation. They're already fighting. He says there's going to be uh, uh, earthquakes. They're already earthquakes. He says there's going to be natural disasters. They're already natural disasters. Just this, this last two weeks, there was a flood in, in Cape Town. And just two days ago, there was a flood in, in New York. And Jesus Jesus said, when all these things start to happen, don't worry, it's, that, it's just uh, labor pains. That's what he called them. He says, because the earth is getting ready to give birth to a new earth that he will bring. And so all that you see shouldn't discourage you, it should excite you. Why? Because redemption is near. Man, Jesus is coming back real soon. And we better get our hands on the plow and not look back. Amen? And I'm telling you, man, people don't understand. You know, I, I meet a lot of people that say, Lord, just wait a minute. I want to, I, I, I do that sometimes. I say, Lord, just wait a minute. I want to play a game of golf. I have a tea time on Friday. You know, Lord, just give me one more week. And, man, you don't understand how awesome it's going to be when Jesus is the king of kings. There's not going to be sickness. There's not going to be sorrow. There's not going to be all these crazy things that are happening. She will be she. He will be he. And I'm out of time. Why don't you stand on your feet? Can I get an amen? Thank you, Jesus. It's going to be awesome. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. He says in 1 Thessalonians 2, from verse 1 to 2, For you yourselves know, brethren, that our coming to you was not in vain, 
But even after that, we had uh, suffered before and were spitefully treated at Philippi. As you know, we were bold in our God to speak to you the gospel of God in much conflict. Amen? Man, people are going to come against you for preaching the gospel. But it's those who stand for what they believe. Amen? They said uh, a man who doesn't have anything to stand for will fall for everything. Man, I choose to stand on this truth that Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior. Jesus Christ is the only way to the Father. There are not multiple ways. There's only one. Jesus Christ is the only way to the Father. And I'm totally committed. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We will serve Jesus the Christ. Amen. And I encourage you to make the same decision. People are going to come against you. Don't be discouraged. Don't be dismayed. Do not be surprised. If you truly stand on the word of God, people will come against you. Amen. I said amen. amen. Father, in the name of Jesus, we just thank you. Lord, we thank you for your strength. Lord, we thank you for the conviction in our hearts that we know that Jesus Christ is Lord, that he is the only way to the Father, that no one goes to the Father except through Jesus and what Jesus did for us at the cross. Lord, we pray that in the midst of uh, storms are coming against us, in the midst of persecution coming against us, we shall be strong. We shall stand and be counted like those in the olden times who have shown us by way of example, Daniel, uh, Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, who stood in the face of persecution for what was right, and you brought salvation and redemption to them. Lord, I thank you that these, your precious children, will stand in the day of adversity. Their hearts will not wax cold. Their hearts will not faint, but they will stand on the truth that Jesus is the Christ. He is the only Messiah. He is the only way to the Father. In Jesus' name we pray. And someone shout, Amen. We hope this message has been a blessing to you. Thank you for listening. To find out more about how you can become a partner, visit faithhill.tv today.